John chapter 14 and Acts chapter number 1. John 14 and Acts 1. We'll look at these two passages to get started this morning. A lot of ground to cover. We'll probably go very quickly through the first half of this and slow down, Lord willing, at the last half uh, on what we'd like to focus on. We are wrapping up um, our study of Christology, studying the doctrinal statement. What we believe as a church, need to know not just what we believe as a church, need to Make up your mind and heart what you believe, and here's what we believe regarding the person of Jesus Christ, because this is what the Bible says, and we're showing you in the Bible where the Bible says all of these things, but we believe the Lord Jesus Christ to be God, manifest in the flesh, virgin born, without sin, crucified, risen, and coming again to receive his church, then returning to establish his kingdom. We have discussed the deity of Jesus Christ. We've discussed the humanity of Jesus Christ. We've discussed the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, the sinlessness of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We come this morning to our final lesson on the coming, the return, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So he is coming in to receive his church, then returning to establish his kingdom. Now, here's the chart that Larkin wished he had in his book depicting uh, a little bit of a timeline here, okay? Uh, just take a moment and marvel at the artwork. It's good. So we can appreciate that. Okay. So the crucifixion, the resurrection. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, buried and rose again the third day. Forty days later, he ascended into heaven. He returned to the Father's right hand. And then what we have right now is the church age. We're we're saved by believing on the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus Christ for sins. And God is gathering Jew and Gentile into a spiritual body, his body called the church. There is coming a day, not too far off in the future, we believe that Jesus Christ returned to the clouds and rapture, catch away his church that is followed by Daniel's 70th week or the time of Jacob's trouble. It's called the tribulation when this the Antichrist appeared, the Antichrist is in control on the earth. You see that? And then after that, after that seven years, what we call the revelation, when Jesus Christ returns with clouds to the earth with his church and establishes and sets up his millennial kingdom for a thousand years. That's, that's a semester's worth of Bible prophecy, all in picture form, uh, real quickly this morning. But what we're going to focus on, it's going to take a minute to get there, what we're going to focus on is the fact that that the return of Jesus Christ takes place in these two stages. He is coming to rapture his church. He is coming to receive his church. He is coming to remove believers from the earth. That's the first stage. And then he will come again to establish his kingdom on the earth. He'll come for us. He'll come with us. We'll get into all that. But that's where we're headed. And those two comings are actually represented by these first passages that we'll read. John 14 and verse number one, the Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. This The scene in John 14 is the upper room. It's the night of Christ's crucifixion. He is preparing his disciples for his departure because this is the night that he would be crucified and he would soon be leaving them. But he's giving them instructions ahead of his departure. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, here's the promise, 
I will come again. What is the purpose of this promised coming? And receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Look at Acts chapter number one. This is fast forward about 50 days. Acts chapter, I'm sorry. Uh, Acts chapter number one, about 43, 44. This is a little, a little ways off in the future. Acts chapter number one and verse number nine. Acts chapter one and verse number nine. And when he, Christ, had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. This is the ascension. Jesus returning bodily, corporally, physically to heaven. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men in Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Point number one, your outline is the promise of Christ's return. The promise of Christ's return. It was given by Christ himself to his disciples in John 14, it was given by the angels that stood by on the Mount of Olives when Christ ascended in Acts chapter number 1. And the angels said, he's going to come in like manner as ye have seen him go. So Jesus said, if I go, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, they, there, there you may be also. That, that's a hint at, that is a, uh, that's a promise of the rapture. And then the angels on the Mount of Olives said, This same Jesus which is taken from you shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. The Bible says he left in a cloud. And the Bible says in Revelation 1 and verse 7, he is coming with clouds. And the angels said he's going to come in like manner as you have seen him go. How did he leave? He left in a body. He left corporally and physically, and he's going to return corporally and physically, and he left from the Mount of Olives, and he's going to return to the Mount of Olives. Okay, so this is a hint at, a picture at, a promise of, really the second stage of Christ's coming. The angels are looking forward to the revelation. We'll get there as we move through the lesson. Point number one, the promise of Christ's return. It's a promise that's referenced no fewer than 69 times in the New Testament, we don't have time for all of those verses this morning, but this is a big deal throughout the New Testament. There are constant references to and allusions to this promise that Christ left with his followers, with those who trust in him, that he is coming again. Number two is the imminence of Christ's return. I-M-M-I-N-E-N-C-E. The spelling will be important in just a moment. The imminence. I-M-M-I-N-E-N-C-E. The imminence of Christ's return. What does the imminence of Christ's return mean? That means that this could take place at any moment. It means that today could be the day that Jesus Christ comes to the clouds to rapture his church, to catch away believers from the... Today could be the day that he fulfills the promise he made in John 14 to come again and receive us through himself that where he is, there we may be also. It could happen any time. There are no signs left to be fulfilled in order for Christ to come. We are not waiting for anything else to take place. The next event on God's prophetic calendar is the return of Jesus Christ. Now, 
Jesus' return has been imminent since the days of the writing of the New Testament. Let me give you an example. Go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that first reference on your list there under point 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 17. Let me prove to you from the Bible that the return of Christ is imminent. This is important for so many reasons. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 17. Well, back up to verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Paul is writing this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 54 A.D., to the believers, he won to Christ in Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17. And you can tell by the wording of verse 17, we which are alive and remain, that the expectation on the part of Paul was that he would be alive to see the rapture. He was fully anticipating that some of the believers in the church at Thessalonica would not be among the dead in Christ, but be, would, would be part of those who are caught up alive from the earth to meet the Lord in the air. We which are alive and remain. Paul thought he would be part of that company. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Turn there, Hebrews 10. And verse 25, a few illustrations on the New Testament teaching of the imminency of Christ's return. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. This was written in the first century. This is nearly now 2,000 years ago, but then they could see the day. What day? The day of Christ, the day of his return. It was approaching at that time. They could see it. And if they could see it 2,000 years ago, how much more can we see it here this morning? James chapter 5. Probably just one more of these. James chapter 5 and verse number 7. James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Uh, now is our salvation nearer than when we believed, Romans 13 says. Philippians 4, 5, and 1 Corinthians 1 Verse 7, they both give this same anticipation. Uh, Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 says the time is at hand. And if that was true in the first century, that they thought Jesus Christ could come then, how much more is it true today? Right Now the scoffers, 2 Peter 3, the scoffers say, where is the promise of his coming? Because it hasn't happened yet, they, uh, they make the argument that it's not going to happen. Well, Jesus promised, and he keeps all of his promises, and there's nothing that's holding it back except the time frame that God has set for these things. And so Jesus Christ, he could come back at any time, and it behooves us to be ready, to be prepared, to make sure you're saved, to, to walk in the light, because Jesus could come at any time. Moment. Point number three is also the imminence 
of Christ's return. But we're going to spell it differently, and the word means something different. E-M-I-N-E-N-C-E. E-M-I-N-E-N-C-E. The eminence, I-M-M, of Christ's return. It means he could come at any time. The eminence, E-M-I-N-E-N-C-E. That means it's really important. <laughs> it has very high priority. We already said it's mentioned 69 times in the New Testament, and it's something that believers are told to look for and live in anticipation of. Come to Titus chapter number 2, Titus chapter 2, and verse number 13. Titus 2, and verse number 13. The Bible says, looking for... That blessed hope, what is the blessed hope? And that and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself, peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So Titus was instructed to preach on the second coming. <laughs> and the believers are instructed to look for the second coming. And as we look for Christ to come and live in anticipation of his return, it, it, it has an effect and an influence and, and, and some fruit in our lives. So Titus chapter 2, verse 13, the next uh, item in your outline, we are to be looking for the return of Christ. Turn back just a little bit to 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse number 10. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse number 10. Back up to verse number 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So these believers in Thessalonica were waiting for Christ. They were looking for Christ. Some people have become out of balance in their focus on prophecy, and instead of um, instead of looking to the Bible for their belief that the return of Christ is imminent, they start reading the newspaper headlines and the and current events around the world and say that these events that are taking place, this is our proof that Christ is coming. And they get to the point where they stop looking for Christ. They start looking for the Antichrist. That's not who we're told to look for. That's not what we're supposed to be looking for. We're to be looking for the return of Christ. Next, we're to be living in anticipation of the Lord's coming. We are to be living in anticipation of the Lord's coming. It's something that ought to be on our minds constantly. It's something we ought to hear preaching about. It's something we ought to sing about. It's something we ought to remind ourselves of. It's something we ought to be mindful of every day. Christ could come Today, if I've got something to do for him, I need to get it done because I might not have much time. There's somebody I need to witness to. I need to witness to them now. I might not have much time. I want to make sure my life is pleasing the Lord because he's going to come and I'm going to stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. So um, the blessed hope, it'll have some outcome. It'll, it'll have an effect and an influence on the way we live. If we look for Christ, to live in anticipation of his coming. The next three items in your outline, the blessed hope provides peace. The blessed hope provides 
Peace. The passage on the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4 concludes with the statement, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus began his promise in John 14 with, Let not your heart be troubled. Now, there's a lot in your life. Disrupt your peace. But if you keep your mind focused on the fact that Jesus Christ is coming, that's going to fix every problem that any of us have. And it will provide peace to our hearts. The blessed hope produces purity. The blessed hope produces purity. 1 John 3, 3 says, He that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Those who look for Christ to come, 1 Timothy 4, 8 says they're going to get a crown of righteousness because that's what it produces in our lives. The blessed hope promotes service. The blessed hope promotes service. 1 Corinthians 15 is a passage on the rapture and it concludes by saying, Therefore... Because of this, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So the blessed hope promotes service. Then point number four, the stages of Christ's return. So we have the promise of Christ's return, the imminence of Christ's return, again, the imminence or the importance of Christ's return, and then the stages of Christ's return. And we go back to our timeline here on the board. Now let's get a couple passages. First Thessalonians 4 and then Revelation 19. First Thessalonians 4 and Revelation chapter number 19. I'll give you the stages. We'll make some contrasts, some comparisons, and some contrasts. Remember, the stages are the rapture and the revelation. When Jesus said he would come again, there is a second coming, but the second coming takes place in these two stages, these two phases. First, at the end of the church age, Jesus comes to rapture the church, to gather the believers, to take us to be with him like he promised in John 14. We are not on the earth during the time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week, the great tribulation. We're gone because we got raptured. Now, when Christ comes, he doesn't come all the way to the earth. He comes to the clouds. He receives us to himself, okay? And then seven years later, we come with him all the way to the earth when he comes back the second time to establish his kingdom. The first stage is the rapture. The second stage is is the revelation. It's important that we understand the differences between the two and the fact that there are two stages because if we don't, we'll get confused about a lot of things in prophecy. Um, if you don't recognize this, you might end up thinking the church is going to be here during the tribulation, which very clearly from the Bible, we're not. Okay, so First Thessalonians 4, this is the rapture. This is what takes place when Christ comes through the clouds to receive his church. Verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others, which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's what I believe. Is that what you believe? Is that what you're trusting for the salvation of your soul? So the people who believe Jesus died and rose again, those are saved people. Those are the church. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, those are the people that believe that, but they're dead. They're sleeping in Jesus. Will God bring with him? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In this passage, meaning to go before. Will not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. It is a comforting truth that before... Uh, before Daniel's 70th week, before the rise of the Antichrist, before all hell breaks loose on the earth in Jacob's trouble, I'm going to go to the clouds and be with Christ. Okay, that's the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, the Revelation, Revelation 19, this reads differently. This looks different because it is different. Different event at a different time. All part of the second coming. Revelation 19 and verse number 11. Revelation 19 and verse number 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. Capital F, capital T. These are names he has given. In righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. So, Jesus Christ, he's on a white horse. There are armies behind him also mounted upon white horses wearing fine linen. If we read back earlier in the chapter, the Bible says fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. It is the covering, the garments given to the saved, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Guess who this army is following Jesus? It's us. Okay, so we're coming with him, which means we've already be, been taken to be with him. Okay, so the armies which were in heaven followed him, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth go the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treaded the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In the rest of the chapter, he, he goes down to Armageddon and he defeats the Antichrist, throws the devil in the bottomless pit, and he, he establishes his kingdom on the earth. Now, that's very different from 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, we have a trumpet. We have saints rising, going to be with Christ. In Revelation 19, we have saints coming with Christ to the earth. And then in Revelation 20, we reign with him. The first stage is called the rapture. The second stage is called, we're calling it the revelation because it also starts with an R, okay? 69 times in the New Testament that the coming of Christ is mentioned. It could be either one of those two. And if you get the two confused, you can cause yourself some problems. If, if you read a passage about the revelation and think it's about the rapture, then you're going to get the timeline wrong and think that maybe the church is going through the tribulation. Let me give you some points to compare the rapture and revelation. Point A under point 4. We've got point 4 being the stages of Christ's return. A is the rapture, as we've mentioned. In the rapture, Christ comes to the clouds. We read that in 1 Thessalonians 4. He comes to the clouds. He doesn't come to the earth comes to the clouds, and we go to meet him. Okay? In the rapture, first of all, Christ comes through the clouds. Secondly, he comes for his saints. He comes for his saints. John 14, I will receive you unto myself. That's what he's going to do. 
He comes to gather his church, as we read in 1 Thessalonians 4. In the rapture, Christ comes to gather his church. This will be a private event. This will be a private event. There's the sound of a trumpet in 1 Thessalonians 4. There's the trump of God in 1 Corinthians 15. In Revelation 4, John, prefiguring the rapture, says, I heard a voice saying, come up hither. Saved people are the only ones that are going to hear that voice. The rapture is not something where the lost people see and hear and know and experience what it is that's going on. Remember when Paul was on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter number 9? There's a light from heaven and Paul heard a voice and Jesus spoke to Paul. Now, he was traveling with some other people and they heard a noise and they saw a light, but they didn't know what was taking place. It'll be the same way with the rapture. It's a private event. Save people to hear the voice of God, the trump of God. Lost people's not, not going to know what's going on. And then it takes place before the tribulation takes place before the tribulation. Now, I, I would like to have put this in a chart. I just didn't have room for it here in your notes. But with the rapture on one side and the relation on the other side, to compare these, you'll just have to do it mentally. Point B is the revelation. We've got the rapture being the first stage, the revelation being the second stage, where the rapture, where in the rapture Christ comes to the clouds, in the revelation Christ comes to the earth. Christ comes to the earth. Let me show you that verse, Revelate, uh, Zechariah 14. Next to last book of the Old Testament. The word for that is penultimate. Next to last book of the Old Testament, Zechariah 14 and verse number 4. Revelation 14. I'm sorry, Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14, verse 1, we're talking about the day of the Lord. In verse 2, all nations are gathered against Jerusalem. Verse 3, the Lord is going forth to fight against those nations. And in connection with all that, in verse 4, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. You remember where he left in Acts chapter 1? He was on the Mount of Olives. Remember what the angel said? He's going to come in like manner. He's coming to the same place, the same spot that he left. His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is for Jerusalem on the east. The Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley and half the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. So Jesus Christ is going to come step foot on the Mount of Olives. The mountain is going to split and he is going to march into Jerusalem and sit on the throne of his father David and take control of the kingdoms of the earth. That's the... Revelation. That's not the rapture. That's not what we read about in 1 Thessalonians 4. That's not what we read in 1 Corinthians 15. That's something different that takes place earlier. This takes place after the tribulation. So he comes to the earth. In the rapture, Christ comes for his saints. In the revelation, Christ comes with his saints. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 4, which for our life remains, we call it together with them. But Revelation 19, the armies in heaven follow him. <laughs> upon white horses, uh, white and clean, and their clothed in fine linen. So the rapture for his saints, the revelation with his saints. The rapture is for the purpose of Christ gathering his church. The revelation is for the purpose of Christ establishing his kingdom. 
sort of the revelation, he comes to establish his kingdom. And we read about that in the first six verses of Revelation 20. And if you're saved and if you're following him, you're going to rule and reign with him, participate in that kingdom upon the earth. <clears throat> Where the rapture was a private event, the revelation is a public event. Turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Revelation 1 and verse number 7. Let me show you this verse. Revelation chapter 1. And verse number 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Not to the clouds, with clouds. Because it's in like manner. And he left with clouds and he's coming with clouds. Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. That doesn't take place at the rapture. It takes place at the revelation. Every eye shall see him. They also which pierce them and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Every eye shall see him. You know what's going to happen? Before, before this takes place, at the end of this time, the Bible says the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall be turned to blood, the stars of the heavens shall fall. Everything that gives light in the universe, that light's going to be turned off, and then the sun of righteousness will arise. Jesus Christ, he will be the only light in the universe at that time, and when he comes, every eye shall see him. And he's coming all the way to the earth and he's going to establish his kingdom. So this takes place not before the tribulation, but after the tribulation. Two stages to this coming. Rapture, revelation. To the clouds, to the earth. For his saints, with his saints. To gather the church, to establish his kingdom. Private event, public event. Before the tribulation, after the tribulation. And that after the tribulation, it showed up twice because the proofreader missed it. And that was me. And I'm sorry. So, Jesus Christ, he is returning to receive his church. Then he's coming to establish his kingdom. He's going to keep the promise that he made in John 14. I'm looking forward to it and want to be ready for it. And uh, we all need to be looking for that blessed hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning, how you tell us the end from the beginning, everything we need to know. It's written down in the Bible. Help us to read it, study it, believe it, act upon it, and let your words, your truth, influence the way that we live, the decisions we make on a daily basis. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.